Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Pastor Billy Crone continues to look at what will make America great again. And Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here with an important announcement. For all of our brand new listeners, we have an outstanding resource for you, our new listener pack. Inside the new listener pack is a collection of resources designed to welcome you to Watchmen on the Wall. Every new listener pack includes our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. So make sure and request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And speaking of resources, Prophecy in the News Magazine is back. The very first issue is out right now. Subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine today. With your subscription, you get a print and digital version and access to our online streaming platform, FaithNet TV. Call today and subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or go to our website, swrc.com. James Collins and Billy Crone come now to conclude their look at the steps it will take to make America great again. I spent over 25 years of my life serving in the U.S. Army, and for over 25 years I fought for this country. Now I will spend the rest of my life fighting against what this country has become. My guest today is also a culture warrior and a patriot. On the program with me again is Pastor Billy Crone, the senior pastor of Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the founder of Get a Life Ministries. He is here to talk about his DVD titled, What Makes America Great Again. Pastor Billy, welcome back. Thanks for being on the program with me again. Hey, thank you, Pastor Collins. It's always great to be on. In the DVD, Pastor Billy, What Makes America Great Again, you play an audio clip from one of my all-time favorite broadcasters, Paul Harvey. And the clip is called, If I Were the Devil. The recording is over 50 years old, but listening to it, it sounded almost like Paul Harvey was a prophet, and he predicted everything that is happening in our world today, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And again, it's the biblical principle, you reap what you sow, Right. When you see what he said there, you see that clearly it's a staged attack, right? If you're going to take down America, then you got to take down the pillars that made America great. You, know, you need to not only infect the government, you need to infect the school system, you need to infect society, you need to infect and get them to turn away in the homes, even the churches and things of that nature. And that's basically what he warned about so long ago. Unfortunately, we didn't listen to him. And dare I say, unfortunately, we're not listening to God. And we need to get back on track. And I say this all the time. I don't know God's time frame. I do know that it's going to get worse for humanity before it gets better, because the Bible's very clear. We're headed for the next big prophetic event called the seven-year tribulation. Now, praise God, as born-again Christians, we're not going to go into that time period. We're going to be rescued out of here at the rapture, because the seven-year tribulation is a time when God pours out his wrath on this planet for seven years nonstop. He's going to have the last word and all this evil and wickedness that's going on not just around the world, but unfortunately even in our own country that's turned their back on God. But we're not going to be there because it's a time of wrath. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, we are saved from, rescued from, and not appointed unto God's wrath. But here's my point, Pastor Collins. I'm not a pessimist, I'm an optimist. Because God's on the throne, and as long as God's on the throne, there's always hope. And he could do whatever he wants to do. And I don't know his exact time frame. My point is this. Maybe, just maybe, 
he'll be merciful to us as a country and give us one genuine spiritual Bible. Not this fake stuff that some of these people uh, promote out there, but a genuine spiritual revival. We've had two of them legitimately in our nation's history, and boy, we certainly need a third one bad. Yes. But maybe he'll be gracious to us and give us one more before the seven-year tribulation comes. So either we're headed for revival and then the seven-year tribulation, or straight to the seven-year tribulation, I don't know. All I do know is this. Biblically, if it's going to happen, if we're going to see revival, then we're out of here before the seven-year tribulation, or just we're out of here and the seven-year tribulation comes, we have to get back to the true biblical methodology of revival. And the scripture is very clear, right? We quote this all the time. Second Chronicles 11:14. If my people will humble yourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from your wicked ways, then he'll heal us, right? Now go back to that, and this is what I've always found interesting. See, even in the church, you know, we'll pray and we'll say, man, we need to pray for revival. Okay, but then usually it just stops right there. Are you even praying for revival? When's the last time you prayed for it? Mm. Or even thought about it? Or are you just too caught up in this world? But then think about the order that's going on there, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God speaking, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land, right? Now notice, even in the church today, if they do pray for revival, or at least say that we should pray for revival, (laughs) notice what they just skipped. It doesn't say pray first. It said humble yourself first. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right? Oh, and by the way, it's if my, what people? My people, God's people. And this is what I've noticed is wrong. Even if we pray, we skip over that first part, the humble thing, and then we pray revival backwards. It says my people. And so when we pray for revival, it's almost like we have this external mindset when we pray. Basically, God, we need revival. Get those people out there, those wicked people. Turn our country around. Say, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. I'm not condoning the wickedness in our society. I'm with you, and it needs to stop. But what's the scripture say? My people. Revival, biblically, we've got to get this right, folks. Revival is for God's people, not for the lost. And until the church gets that, we're never going to experience revival. We're praying it backwards. We're praying that God gets the lost when revival happens to the church, and then when the church gets back on track with God and gets on fire, then it begins to spread to the lost. That's the proper order. But that's what it says. We humble ourselves first. We skip over that one. Then we go to pray, if we even really do pray, and then keep reading. It says what? And seek God's face. Or is it just one momentary thing? Or you just have this weekend function or this annual event that happens once a year, and you go do your little Christian duty and punch in your prayer time clock thing, and you did it, and then you just wait back and do it. No, then you keep seeking God. You humble yourself first. You pray. You seek God. Keep on praying. And then what's it say? Turn from your own wicked ways. Stop being a hypocrite. And get your heart right with God, Christian. And if we could do that, humble yourself first, pray, seek God, and turn from your own wicked ways, my people, i.e. God's people, then we're going to have a chance to have a genuine revival before the seven-year tribulation hits. And if we don't do that, nothing's going to change. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing right now is, I ain't seeing it. We say we want revival, but we don't do what the Scripture says so that it could take place. Pastor Billy, in the DVD, I want to talk about the three points that you bring out in What Makes America Great Again that remind us that our country was founded on Jesus Christ and the Word of God. The first way that we know our country was founded on Jesus Christ and the Word of God is because our founding fathers said so. The Scripture is very clear that no foundation can be laid other than that which is Jesus Christ. And our founding fathers certainly 
not only knew that, but they certainly believed that. And then again, if you would just study the Scripture, you're going to see that that's not just commanded by God, but this is what they built our country upon. It was on Christianity and Christian principles. Now, before I get to that proof real quick, as soon as you start saying, oh, our country was founded on Christian principles, we're a Christian nation, and a lot of people will come up and they'll say, oh, no, 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 our founding fathers wanted separation uh, in church and state. No, that's a lie. In fact, I challenge you to challenge the next time you hear somebody say, oh, no, founding fathers want to separate church and state. You need to ask them, where does that appear in the Bill of Rights? Answer, it doesn't. Where does separation in church and state appear in the Constitution? It's not there. It's a letter in 1802 from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptists in Connecticut at the time, and they were concerned that another Christian denomination at that time called the Congregationists were going to basically become the official Christian denomination, by the way, of the United States. Okay? The whole context is Christian and Christianity. And so Jefferson simply writes back to them in that letter, referred to the Bill of Rights, which reads, Congress shall make no law respecting and establishment of religion, and their version of religion in the context historically was the Christian religion, of prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Therefore, Jefferson had full confidence in the original intent of the First Amendment that, listen, no Christian denomination would be chosen as the official Christian denomination of the United States. That's what he meant by the phrase, in a letter, by the way, separation of church and state. It did not mean that the state now kicks out any and all Christianity. It's just that the United States government, a Christian nation, is never going to pick an official Christian denomination as the official denomination that you have to worship in the United States. That's it. That's all it meant. Now it's been twisted that somehow our founding fathers don't want to have any ounce of Christianity, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. Let me just read to you just a few quotes from our founding fathers, and you tell me if they didn't want Christianity in our founding principles and in our doctrines. John Adams, he said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Without religion, i.e. the Christian religion, this world would be something not fit to mention in polite company. I mean hell. The Christian religion is, above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times, the religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity. Now, this is a quote from John Jay. John Jay was the original Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Watch this, direct quote. He said, Mercy and grace and favor did come by Jesus Christ. Watch this. By conveying the Bible to people, we certainly do them the most interesting act of kindness, the most effectual means of securing the continuance of our civil and religious liberties is to always remember with reverence and gratitude the source from which they flow. It's the Bible. It is the best of all books, he said. It's the Word of God. It teaches us to be happy in this world and in the next. Watch this. Continue, therefore, to read it and regulate your life by its precepts. Providence, or God, has given to our people, the American people, the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege in our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. That's the original chief justice of the Supreme Court, right? Noah Webster, he was the schoolmaster to America, and he said this, the religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and his apostles. This is genuine Christianity. Listen, and to this we owe our free constitutions of government. The moral principles and precepts found in the Scripture ought to form the basis of all our civil constitution and laws. Watch this. He said, I am persuaded that no civil government of a Republican form can exist and be durable in which the principles of Christianity have not a controlling influence. And then I'll just share one more, and we share way more in this study. 
This is from the Congress. This is the U.S. House Judiciary Committee. This is in 1854. Remember the lie is, oh, founding fathers did not want to have Christians, the Bible, Christianity, and our, they wanted separation of church and state. They, you know, watch this. They said, had the people during the Revolution, the Revolutionary War, had a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle. Why? Because in this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of the founders of the republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. Our country was built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then you look at what we got going on now, it's a complete mockery. But if you look at our monuments, I've been to D.C., look at the monuments. There's still biblical phrases, biblical quotations, biblical citations, all over our national monuments. It's there in plain sight, but they never show it to you on the media. They don't teach it in the schools. They're rewriting our Christian history. They're preaching this lie of separation of church and state. It's not even in the Bill of Rights of Constitutions from a letter in Jefferson, and even then it's taken out of context, right? And then on top of that, you look at the behavior of some of our founding fathers, and some of our presidents, like Princess Garfield would bring out, he was a part of a revival. He was not only preaching sermons, he was baptizing people that got saved. That's what our country used to be founded upon. So what do you mean that the Founding Fathers didn't want our country founded on biblical principles? In fact, they charged us, don't you ever stop it, because if you stop it, you're headed for destruction, and that's where we're at now. The second way we know our country was founded on Jesus Christ and the Word of God is because our founding curriculum says so. Isn't it true that America's colleges and schools were founded on the Christian faith? Well, exactly. And then again, you just got to do your homework. We've been lied to, right? They've rewritten and changed our true history, even as a nation. And our founding fathers took another passage of the Bible, and that's 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And they knew that this was going to be the success of their country, because they built the Constitution the Bill of Rights based on biblical principles. Okay, but they knew that that was only an outward shell, right, to provide the general direction for our government based on biblical principles and Christianity, right? But that, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, could not tame the internal heart of man, right? Because we still have a sin nature. And they knew, biblically, that the taming of the heart, if you will, to keep us morally in check from going south to going back to tyranny again, was up to the Word of God. And that if you hide God's Word in your heart and study to show yourself approved unto God, and that was the big reason for getting people to learn how to read, it was so they could read the Bible, so that the Bible could do its job to keep us morally in check. Right? And then you say, well, that's very convenient for you to say. No, you look at the evidence, folks, and that's why our schools and, believe it or not, our universities were clearly founded on biblical principles. Let me just give you a few of the factoids. But the first colleges formed in America, 123 out of 126 folks were all formed on Christian principles. But you say that they didn't want to have that in our school system? That's a lie. And believe it or not, up until 1900, it was very rare to find a university president that was not an ordained pastor. Pastors were running the show in the school systems. And then our textbook, it was called the New England Primer. It was America's textbook, listen to this, for 210 years, right? And here's how they taught the alphabet. A, in Adam's fall, we send all. C, Christ crucified for sinners died. Z, Zacchaeus, he did climb the tree our Lord to see. And then the 107 questions at the end of the New England Primer, you know, like your final, included questions like this. Watch this. This was in school, folks, for 210 years. What offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? 
How does Christ execute the office of a priest? What is required in the fifth commandment? What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? I know some professing Christians that probably couldn't even answer any one of those. And that was what was taught in our school for 210 years. George Washington, folks, the first president, he made it crystal clear that the American schools would teach Indian youth, quote, the religion of Jesus Christ, and Congress assisted in doing so. In fact, in 1782, listen, folks, Congress had 10,000 Bibles printed for use in schools. Dr. Benjamin Rush, he said, the only means of establishing and perpetuating our Republican forms of government is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. And then Thomas Jefferson, and there's even a big debate, was that guy really saved or was he just a deist? Well, even if he was just a deist, folks, listen to this. He was the one who wrote the first plan of education for Washington, D.C. Yes, Washington, D.C. And he adopted two textbooks. And you know what the two textbooks that when you went to school back in his day in Washington, D.C. were, you had one, the Bible, and two, Watts Hymnal. And if you know anything about Watts Hymnal, it's all full of hymns that are all based on biblical verses. And then he hired pastors to be the teachers. That's Thomas Jefferson. And then in 1854, the addition of Webster's Dictionary, because that's the guy who did it, Webster, not only had biblical definitions and Bible verses, but it even had the beginning, I've seen it with my own eyes, Webster's own testimony of personally receiving Christ as a Savior. America's first school was Harvard, believe it or not. That's how long it's been around. It was founded in 1636 by a guy named Reverend John Harvard, and the official model of Harvard was, and I quote, for Christ and the Church. And Harvard had several requirements which students had to observe. One was this, quote, let every scholar be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to what? To know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Amen. That's how Harvard was founded. And folks, you can't tell me that our country was not built on biblical principles. Our founding fathers didn't want that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We're being lied to, and we're allowing them to continue to lie to us without doing our own education and looking at the facts. And again, that's why our country continued to prosper for so long. In fact, let me give you an evidence of that. Alexis de Tocqueville, he comes over here to see why is this young upstart country doing so well? I mean, it's just out of the blue, and they took on the biggest power of the time and whooped their pants, and, and what are they doing? And so here's what he said when he came over to America. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, but it was not there. I looked for it in her fertile fields and her boundless prairies, but it was not there. I looked for it in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. He said, quote, it was not until I went to the churches of America and I heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. He said, quote, bottom line, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. In other words, the answer is what it's always been, what our founding fathers built our country on, and that is Jesus Christ, Christianity, and the Bible. And we need to start the way by first the church getting our heart right with God, proclaiming God's truth once again. The scripture says if we do that, if we humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from our own wicked ways, get back on track, and then revival will start to bust across our nation. And folks, that's it. There's no other way. It's not a political savior. It's Jesus Christ. If there's going to be a revival, then the seven-year tribulation, that's the only option, and we need to get back on that. The complete two-day look into how to make America great again with Billy Crone is available on CD. 
Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Once again, our nation is under the hands of tyranny and oppression. And if our once great nation is ever going to become great again, we've got to get back to the secret of what makes America great. Discover the secret in Billy Crone's DVD, What Makes America Great Again. What Makes America Great Again exposes the amazing three-step plan that was set up by our founding fathers to ensure our freedoms. Order What Makes America Great Again when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill comes now with a very important announcement about the current state of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. You are important to us here at the Watchmen on the Wall broadcast and with SWRC Ministries. You are very important. We love to hear from you because that way we know that you're listening. We also enjoy having you respond to what we're teaching. Sometimes you respond with a little negative turn, perhaps, and we learn from that just as much as we do as you respond with that positive way of response. We appreciate it and thank you. Sometimes the listeners remind me of my children and my grandchildren. Now, I'm not asking you to look like any of my family, but when I hear from you, sometimes I can hear my children with their requests of days gone by, things that they would like to have heard or would like to hear now. Sometimes I hear the need for us to be quicker in what we put on the radio, and sometimes I hear that we need to be slower in how we go about presenting what we present. So we take all of that into consideration, and we try to do the best job we can do. That's what we try to do because we love the Lord, and we happen to love our listeners as well. And that's the reason I'm talking to you right now. We have a love for you and we think that you have at least some likeness for us. We think that you like hearing what you hear on the Watchman on the Wall broadcast. We need your prayers, and we need your financial support for us to continue doing what God has had us doing since 1933 when this program began. That's a long time. And we've had lots of curves and changes in the road as we've come down life's highway. But we've always been with the same instruments of locomotion, of travel. (laughs) We've always been in the same book, the Bible. And we've always been looking forth to the soon coming of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. And so now we have one of those times when it seems that we must ask you to remember to support 
SWRC Ministries in this heat of summer. We've had especially aggravating heat in the southeast. I know in the Middle West, in Oklahoma, there's been lots of heat as well. In fact, our nation has a heat wave, according to many who tell the weather. I'm not a weatherman, not telling it. I'm just explaining what I'm trying to say here to let you know that just as you got to have extra water in times of heat, it seems that we need extra helpers giving of God's gifts to us in the time of heat as well. So I want you to know that we need your financial support, and we need it today. We need to hear from you as God would touch you to give. We never ask you to give what God would not have you to give. We want you to give as God would lead you to give to keep this ministry doing what he's called us to do. And that's how we go about trying to see how God works to bring in the funds. I had somebody at the office the other day say, well, we have an overwhelming need. I said, overwhelming to whom? Overwhelming to you? <laughs> or overwhelming to me? No, no, no. Not overwhelming to the Lord, that's for sure. So it's just overwhelming to us human beings. And so I suggested that that person spend more time in prayer. And I'm doing that myself, too. I know that God is the only one that can supply our need. The need is tremendous. It's a large need. And we need it now. It's, a, it's an immediate need as well. So we have a large need and an immediate need. The last time that we had one of these was a few months ago, and we prayed about it, and we never went to air with it because God answered our prayers before we ever went into the studio. Praise God how good he is. We identified the need, and in a very short time, God had provided for it without us telling our listeners. But this time, we have the need and it is now, and we need our listeners to pray with us and to give to the work of SWRC and Watchmen on the Wall. Would you please consider what God would have you to give today, as well as next month, but today, so that we could see an immediate increase in the giving and we could pay those things that are needed to be paid right now. Would you please join us in that fashion? Pray and then give as God would have you to give. And thank you, my friend. Thank you for your following God's direction. We are of a surety understanding that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Today we're featuring Billy Crone's explosive DVD, What Makes America Great Again. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online, swrc.com. We also have the CD, America, Why I Love Her by John Wayne. 
Get your copy of this patriotic classic when you call 1-800-652-1144. Your support allows us to be here with you each day. So thank you. Thank you, my friends, for your prayers and your financial support. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.